For quite some time now, for about two months, we have been kind of emphasizing a few things. And the first series was a series on faith and how if we had faith the size of a mustard seed. The second was on reason, reason being that power that all of us have been gifted with, not intelligence or logic, but that ability to understand, to pierce and to be able to grasp reality. Faith and reason have to work always together. They can't work apart from one another. But now moving out of that, if we truly are engaging in faith and reason, then we have to start to move into another phase of what it truly means to be a believer. And that is right praise. If we've engaged in true faith, if we have right reason, it ought to lead to right praise. I remember a time when, and it wasn't all that long ago, when parishes throughout this diocese, everywhere you went, they had what was called a nocturnal adoration society. Some of you might remember them. They were very, very common, very, very, they were everywhere, really. And this was a group of people who had committed themselves to saying, we are going to adore Jesus Christ in the most blessed sacrament. And it was nocturnal, which meant that the Blessed Sacrament might be put out at 8 o'clock at night and stay out until 8 o'clock next morning. And they would make commitments that several of them at least would be there at every hour throughout the entire night. Now, that's a real faith, if you ask me, because getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, especially in the winter when it gets colder and showing up at church. But some of these societies were so big, were so, you know, into it, that they actually started to have things like a 40 hours devotion, especially before big things, for nearly two days committing to coming before Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. There were even a few on Long Island here that were so big, so, so, so many people participating, that they were able to do it perpetually. At any time, you could walk into that particular church and come before Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament because there were those who committed to making that so. And that was a powerful witness of people in our church, powerful witness of Catholics to the reality of the real presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and the most blessed sacrament. But for some reason, in especially the last couple of decades, these societies have pretty much disappeared. You go to some parishes, they may still have an active group, but many of them have gone. We used to have one here. We still have a few adorers who come here. They come on Monday nights or on Fridays when we have our expositions. But it's usually only a handful of people. And something has happened during that period of time that should make us all pause and wonder what really is going on, what really is happening. And I'm going to say that it's up to us to look deep within ourselves and to ask ourselves what's going on because we're the ones who, we're believers. I mean, we've, we've seen all of these surveys of late, surveys of Catholics in general, but also Catholics who sit in the pews and ask whether or not they believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ. And sadly, a lot of people don't believe that that bread becomes body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And it's disappointing as a priest, it's disappointing, I'm sure, as Catholics, to hear such things. A recent survey just found out more Catholics, church-going Catholics, are more apt to believe in angels than in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. 
That, my dear brothers and sisters, is something we need to confront for ourselves. We need to confront it because it is so important for you and for me to understand who we are and what we're supposed to be about. You know, of all the things, when we talk about faith and reason, within that, we have to explore the depth of faith. And so the depth of faith, well, comes to us, say, from our Bible. I mean, we should be reading Scripture. We should be getting to know God more intimately by reading the Bible, by spending time with Scripture, by praying, by spending more time, because we're called to praise God. God is good. He's good all the time. He's always there. He's always available. He's always wanting to reach out to us. He's always going to give us what we ask. But it's up to us to offer him right praise. Well, one of the best ways to do that is to get to know him. You have to know God to praise God. And so that's why this series is going to be both right praise and right relationship. Getting to know God. You know, I've been doing Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year, and I love him because he, 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 his voice is really good. He, he doesn't stumble through the scriptures. He, he goes through all these things, but he reads every day. He reads large sections of the Bible and then gives commentary on it. And now we're up to like day 282, I think it was this morning. 280 days straight of hearing God's word of having Father Mike give a little commentary on it and explaining what you just heard. And he's so, he's so great because he has such that off-putting way of his, like, oh gosh, today, gosh, these scriptures today, we're just like, oh gosh, I, I love them so much. God, golly, you know, you really gotta, you really gotta love the way God reveals himself. And, and he'll go on in his commentary and it's so wonderful. If you're not doing it, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it because it's just such a well-organized and well-put-together um, scriptural study. But that being said, it's up to you and to me to look at the scriptures and to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, how did it all start? And in faith, thank God we have the Bible because the Bible explains to us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, he made male and female. And in the beginning, they messed up. That's an abbreviated version of the first three chapters of Genesis. It's called original sin. It's that mistake that was made that necessary fault of Adam, original sin. You know what that is? That's us being tainted by sin. Adam and Eve were tainted, and it's now been transmitted down through the ages. And I call that, it's like a spiritual leprosy. It's like a spiritual leprosy. I, I love that first reading, and it's a truncated version of what happened to this Naaman. Naaman is a Syrian, and it's amazing because Naaman has leprosy. But Naaman is not of the chosen people. He's their enemy. He's a Syrian. And what does he do? He hears about a prophet in Israel. So what does he do? He crosses into enemy territory. He goes before this prophet and says to him, listen, I've heard that you're like wonderful. Can you heal me? And of course, the prophet will look right in his face and say, here's what I need you to do. You need to go down to the Jordan, dip in it seven times, and you'll be okay. And Naaman's response initially was, are you kidding me? We have better rivers in Syria. I don't need this. You, you, you want me to just go dip in the water here? Come on. You can do better than that. You're a great prophet. But he says, okay, at your word, I'll do it. And sure enough, he dips seven times. And the next thing you know, his skin was as smooth as a baby, we're told. But look what happened to Naaman. Not only was he physically healed, 
He got it right. See, he had all those false gods that were in his life previously. But once he encountered the one true God, what does he do? He rushes back to the prophet and says, give me some of your dirt. You caught that today, right? Give me a bunch of your dirt because I will no longer sacrifice to false gods. I will sacrifice to the one true God. What happened? Through his healing, he was now able to give right praise. He had had an encounter with God, a relationship had developed with God, and he didn't want to mess that up anymore. And so what do we learn from our scriptures? We are called to right praise, to dealing with our leprosy. Now you may ask, as I look around, I don't see anybody with tremendous skin lesions, and I don't see anybody going, unclean, keep away, unclean, which means that's a good sign. But I say all of us have leprosy, and it's a spiritual leprosy. It's original sin. It's original sin. Our own propensities, our own, if you will, inclinations can lead us into sin. And that's a spiritual leprosy. And it spreads from Adam and Eve until now. It's very easily transmitted from one generation to the next. It's one of those things that are deadly and dangerous to our health, our spiritual health. And it's something we have to be aware of. And so that as those who have come here today, we have to ask ourselves, well, how is this affecting me? How, how am I affected by original sin? See, that which is on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. That which is important to me interiorly will be expressed by me exteriorly. And so when I really truly say that I love God with my whole heart, mind, and soul, I have to really mean it more than just words because it will bear out in my life on how I treat God and how I treat others. And if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, well, then my life would necessarily have to be different because from deep within will come out in praise, and in thanksgiving. See, the, the lepers in today's gospel, there's, there's a lot behind this story. I'm going to encourage you, keep reading that passage, keep reading it. It's very familiar to many of us. We hear it often enough, but keep meditating on it, keep praying over it. Every time I pray over it, something else jumps out at me. This time, when I was really looking at it, they were waiting on the edge of town for Jesus. They heard he might come by, and they were in position to say, when he comes, we can recall out to him. But what is it that they, that, what is it they say to him? They don't say, heal us, no. Jesus, master, have pity on us. Show us your mercy. Without a specific request, Jesus knows exactly what they're talking about. And what does he do? He heals them. Go off to the priests and prove it. But only one came back. Now, that should speak volumes to you and to me because only one came back. Is that still true today? Have you been graced in your life? Have you been touched by the hand of God in some way? Have you received, I know it's the obvious, but have you received sacraments? Have you been touched by baptism, by confirmation, by reconciliation, by the Eucharist? 
that's a healing. That's, that's part of our spiritual healing. It's part of our trying to cast off that leprosy. It's our saying to God, have you pity on us. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed when you come to Mass? The Mass is one long plea for mercy. If you really listen to what you, you're saying throughout the Mass, we start with a penitential rite. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. In the Gloria, when we're offering right praise to God, a song that's so powerful, receive our prayer. Have mercy on us. Right before you come up for communion, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy and grant us peace. Wow. That's what it's about. It's about our repenting. It's about our recognizing the spiritual wounds that we've committed. It's called sin. You know, every sin, it might not be as important to you and to me. Sometimes a venial sin just passes by and we just let it go. But every sin hurts God. See, sin, it's always breaking a relationship. It's always hurting somebody else. My sin certainly hurts me, but it could also affect you. My anger can hurt another. My lust can hurt another. My greed can hurt another. And I have to be aware of that as much as you do. There's nothing insignificant to God when it comes to that, because God doesn't want us to be broken apart. And yet sin tears apart. And how many relationships today are torn apart? How many families are broken up? How many husbands and wives can no longer even talk to each other? How many parents and their children have ended up not even spending time together anymore? That's sin. And God doesn't want that. But here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. When I give God right praise, when I come before God and say to God, you are my Lord, and I work on my relationship with him, these relationships begin to work out, not the other way around. I have to praise God, get a right relationship with God, so that I can have a right relationship with you. That which is on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. And yet, look what happened. Nocturnal adoration societies have disappeared. Why? because something was happening culturally and happening inside the church. And we have to admit this and we have to work on this. Like if you go back and you look very carefully, especially at the music from the 70s and the 80s that Catholic artists were producing, all of it was very catchy. We all liked the tunes and, oh, I love that song. And it's filled with heresy because what it was doing, it was changing the landscape from vertical praise to horizontal praise. We'll fix everything. We're the ones. We'll make things right. We are. No, no. I praise God. And good, solid Catholic music for centuries was always focused on the praise of God. And it does have its impact. These things do have their impact because over time, what starts to become more important is the horizontal and we forget the vertical. But yet if the vertical isn't right, the horizontal is going to have so many problems. That's why we see in our society, especially today, there's no more vertical in our, in our culture. It's all horizontal. And when you only have horizontal, you see what you get. Just look around. All the backbiting, the anger, the hurt. 
all of the lust, all of the, the greed, all of the, these are all effects of our own fallen nature that needs spiritual healing. And only he can heal. Only he can do it. Without him, guess what? You get what you asked for. And so how often we have turned our backs on God. I mean, even literally to the point where I watch people turn their backs on God in the Blessed Sacrament to give their praise to the musicians in a church. And we have great musicians, but they're not here to entertain. They're here to praise. When did we go from things like, holy God, we praise thy name, to holy musicians, we praise your song? But yet it happens. We have to get our focus right again. We have to get right praise in our lives. So you want to figure out who your God is? I mean, you know, the very first commandment, have no other gods. And yet how often we betray that with our actions. Who's our God? For some people, the God is money. They go out of their way to get more and more of it. For some people, their God is the internet. I mean, I, I love to watch people with their little God nowadays. It's called a cell phone. They, they're so in love. They adore their phone. Oh, I love you. I'm just going to spend all day with you and I'm not going to do anything else. But oh, look, what a cute kitten. And hours upon hours of giving praise to a little technical device or TVs or computers or anything else. So here's a gauge that I'm going to ask that you try to do. I do it from time to time in my own life. Keep track of what you do the next week. See how much time you're putting into what. And where you put your most time, that's going to probably be your God, because that's what's going to be influencing you. That's what's going to be directing you. That's what's going to be filling your mind, and what's on the inside will come out. And so many people I know today spend very, very little time doing right praise. Come into a church. If you can, come to a holy hour. Come and kneel before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Even if it's not exposed and you can come into the church physically, come before the Lord and lay your life at his feet. Like that one leper who was basically an outcast to begin with because he was a foreigner. Lay your life at his feet and allow the right praise to well up in you. Get that relationship right again. And as you maybe look at your own lives and you start to spend a little more time and recognize you've had other gods, Maybe you'll recognize that you've been angry, you've been greedy, you've been lustful, you've been slothful. You recognize these little things that have been damaging. You can do something about it. That's the leprosy. Those are the lesions that are showing up on your soul. Do you know what you can do about it? It's called confession. Get the relationship right first and the praise becomes so much easier. Get to confession and praise will come out of your soul because just like that one leper, you'll want to rush back and lay yourself down and say, thank you, oh God, you are so good and gracious. Thank you for having pity upon me, of being merciful to me, of giving me hope, of giving me new life, of making my soul like the skin of a newborn baby. What a powerful, powerful gift we've been given. And yet so many of us don't even take advantage of it. And so today, my dear brothers and sisters, work on your prayer. Work on praising God. Let's get that relationship right again. Let's work on getting the vertical back in what we do. And, and while the horizontal is important, it flows out of the vertical to others. 
Take the grace that God gives. Take the gifts that he offers and live your life as if God is real, that God is your first and only, as if God, who truly God is, means more to you than your own life. Go forth and love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and I guarantee you, loving your neighbor will never be any easier. God bless you.